0: Facebook vs. Lawmakers, Volume 1 Million and 1, A Battle of Indian Billionaires gets Renewed and The Doctor Goes Jeans Shopping. This is Vinay Uttam, your resident stock doctor, and welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast show The Stock Doctor. Lots to cover on this week's episode, so let's jump straight into our first segment, Doctor's Weekly Snapshot. So there was some greenery in the US markets last week as all three indices ended the week in green. The Dow had the best among uh, best week among them all, amongst all the other indices, with the index up 1.2%. The S&P 500 was not far behind with and was up uh, 0.8%. And the NASDAQ inched up by 0.1%. The NASDAQ's having a tough, tough uh, time, guys, these, these days. that's uh, increasing rate, uh, increasing t- uh, treasury yields are not helping. Uh, that its case at all and the high high flyers the the growth tech stocks seems to be really struggling anyway it was it, it inched up by one by 0.1 percent uh, and it was a quite busy quite a busy week actually from lawmakers uh, from a sorry from a, a newsmaker's perspective and there were several of them general Motors for instance oh, i love this company it had a blast as it announced its ambitions to double its revenue to 280 billion by 2030. Uh, and also announced uh, during its two-day analyst, uh, 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 you know, two-day analyst uh, uh, presentations, a $30,000-priced electric SUV plans to launch it, at least, as well as intentions to launch a robo-taxi business that is expected to generate $50 billion in annual revenue by the end of the decade. Um, you know, a, a bit too ambitious in my regard, and, uh, uh, you know, whether they will deliver or not, only uh, time will tell, um, but... but the the intent is there to show that you know we're just not another automaker and we, we the intent was there to kind of align themselves up with more of a a software play as well in addition to just the conventional automakers uh, and if you if you notice the 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 you I know mean, I, I mean I actually watched their presentations on at least on day 1 and and the body language clearly says that they're really they're desperate to uh, showcase to investors that uh, you know they are they are something other than a conventional automaker, and they want to focus on their uh, investments in crews and uh, and their bright top, uh, bright uh, bright drop technology business, uh, uh, as well as uh, uh, as or, as well as obviously their LTM platform, something I covered two weeks back. So there's clearly the body language that you know the, the, that shows that or that demonstrates that they want to put this out as much as they're possible and try to move away from the conventional automaker's business. Um, the company also got some much needed endorsement for its EV ambitions from the famed activist hedge fund engine number no. one, uh, who took a stake in GM. And this is the company, this is the hedge fund that got ExxonMobil Mobil, M- Mobil to, te- to bend to its will with respect to tackling climate change. Uh, so you know some good positive endorsements for its EV business as well, and 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 GM stock has been on a tear recently. It was up ten point four percent for the week. And uh, you know, standard disclaimer: I am long GM, and I will continue to be long GM. Um, and it's it's uh, it's it's been a good run for the company. Um, and I agree that you know with with most analysts that it, the the move uh, to double its revenue and so on sounds a bit ambitious, and you know only time will tell whether they'll deliver. But uh, the company is making all the right noises as we speak. At the other end, of course, EV leader Tesla also had its annual shareholder meeting where it announced its intention to relocate to Texas, even though it plans to boost output from its factory in Fremont, California. Uh, During the meeting, the company also announced that it planned to start the production of the Cybertruck late next year. This has been going on for a while, this delay, but nothing new when it comes to Tesla. And it also hoped to manufacture its much, much delayed roadster uh, sports car in 2023. Now, see, I'm not surprised about the move to Texas because it gives Mr. Musk the opportunity to focus more closely on Tesla and SpaceX, which has its launch site in Boca Chica, Texas. And I I think Mr. Musk, you know, Elon, I think, is more interested in the SpaceX business from a long term uh, rather than Tesla. So the move pretty much makes sense to me. Uh, You know, uh, and and, and, uh, look, guys, I I could speak about Tesla all day, but I've always been a skeptic, you know, a a big skeptic of Tesla. And even during the stock's watering rally last year, But the fact that they're now consistently producing strong delivery numbers, and they somehow have managed to make themselves immune from this chip shortage, are elements of the company that I do find impressive. I still continue to remain skeptic, but I do find these elements impressive. And from a valuation standpoint, though, I do find it to be overvalued. Uh, But hey, this is one stock that does whatever the hell it wants to do. So what do the fundamentals know, right? Uh, Either way, I'm staying out of this one for now. Look, I can talk about Tesla and GM for uh, hours on end, but I want to focus on the biggest newsmaker of the week, in, in my opinion, and that was Facebook. Now, look, the chickens seem to be finally coming home to roost for Mr. Zuckerberg, and I think it's long overdue. Uh, the latest development involves whistleblower Francis Haugen's accusations that the company repeatedly prioritizes profits over clamping down on hate speech and misinformation, uh, and uh, this is already on top of the allegations that Instagram leaves a nasty impact on young people, especially teenagers. Add to all that, uh, you know, add to all of this, there, there's the fact that its services went down for close to six hours on Monday. And initially the company had no idea what was causing this. Uh, so and, and 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 there were some disruptions later in the week as well. Uh, it was trending in the UK, uh, uh, the whole Facebook down, even on, I think it was on Friday or Saturday. Um, so you know, it's it's finally coming home to roost the chickens, the the the, the problematic chickens that is, uh, and uh, you know. But the but the question that you need to ask is, uh, you know, is this going to create much of a difference to the company? Because the company basically uh, came out with, with with its usual statement. It was ready with its usual justification and denials, which seem to have become a routine in recent times. You never thought one company would have had to do multiple. You know, uh, uh, fights against allegations, denying in you know with their own justifications and so on. But and but you know, so it all begs the question: uh, Do I expect these new sets of allegations to hurt the company in the long term? Sadly, no. Do I expect Mr. Zuckerberg to suddenly grow a conscience and take actual concrete steps to revamp the company? Sadly, no. There will be a few boycott Facebook calls, memes, noise about regulation from lawmakers, and then. This too shall pass, like all the other troubles in the past, right? Why? Because Mr. Zuckerberg has complete control over the company, thanks to its share class structure. Uh, you know, because of this dual class, dual share class structure, the man ends up with the ability to veto any shareholder. Oh, and also, you know, there is the fact that I'm convinced that he's a robot with zero ability to feel. Uh, you know, he's already denied uh, Francis Hougen's allegations, but any surprises there? No, of course not. See, Facebook is a company who activist hedge funds would have absolutely loved to go to war with, because it needs fundamental change. It's a, it's a, it's an undervalued business right now because it's getting pummeled in the stock market. But there is definitely so much room to change, room for change. But thanks to the dual class structure, which gives Mr. Zuckerberg complete and total domination, activist hedge funds are never gonna, you know, never gonna target. It'll never happen. So Senator Warren and others, I've got a message for you guys. Instead of focusing your energy on calling useful individuals or individuals who matter dangerous men, and instead of campaigning for big tech breakup and regulating activist hedge funds, perhaps it's time to focus your energy on getting rid of this dangerous tactics of dual class uh, share structure. But I'm sure this too shall pass, right? Like all the other problems. With that unfortunate news uh, maker, let's head to the next segment. The Doctor Goes Home. So, welcome to the segment uh, The Doctor Goes Home, guys. So, in you know, it's an interesting battle is taking place in India right now. So, if it's Bezos versus Musk versus Sir Richard Branson in the US, then it's Adani versus Ambani in India. While the US is witnessing a battle of the billionaires in the space tourism sector back home in India, we're seeing our own battle of the billionaires take place. And in the, the turf is the renewables energy space. And this battle was further intensified last week. I'll get to that in a minute. Let's let's see where it all began. So last month, India's richest man, Mukesh Ambani, announced his intention to enter the renewables energy space with a $10 billion, uh, that is, uh, INR 75,000 crores investment in clean power and hydrogen fuel. And this investment was to be done over the course of three years. Now, the wheels of this ambitious plan have already been set in motion as Ambani's Reliance Industries, a company that started off as an oil major, but is now known for retail and telecom more than oil, has already started developing a more than five thousand acre green energy giga complex in the state of Gujarat. Yesterday, in the you know keeping up with this battle intentions, yesterday the company announced its intention to acquire solar module maker REC Solar Holdings for seven hundred and seventy-one million dollars. Now, Mr. Ambani is a man with a mission and is known as an industry disruptor as evidenced by how he tore apart the old blueprint and revolutionized the Indian telecom sector, not only by undercutting his rivals, but also by focusing on driving India's 4G growth. Now the success of his telecom play, Jio, has been so huge that even in the midst of the global pandemic last year, it has attracted investments from the likes of Facebook and Google. Facebook and Google both were strategic partners, so a lot of money was poured into this company even in the midst of pandemic. Now now that Jio is doing well and is well-established and has now become an industry leader, Mr. Ambani has switched his attention to the renewable space, or so it appears. Having attracted strategic partners for his previous ventures, including the likes of Saudi or, uh, giant Aramco for its oil uh, division, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if his clean energy push came into fruition way earlier than expected. And, you know, I, we, we wouldn't surprise me even one bit if he's got some mega players uh, locked up as strategic partners to make this happen. Look, this man is an industry disruptor. I absolutely love his business sense. He's, he's done, you know, he's done a lot of impossible things possible. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me one bit if, you know, as uh, on, uh, just like his previous ventures, this one also not only really achieves on time, but also actually, you know, has got mega players behind it. But that would mean, if if it if all this all of this were to happen, I would mean that he has to go toe to toe with India's other billionaire. I mean, India has got several billionaires, but I'm saying India's other billionaire in this space, Gautam Adani. Let's talk about Gautam Adani now, uh, to kind of you know play on the play on the other hand. Let's look at what what's happening on the other hand. So Gautam Adani, India's second richest man, is uh, runs uh, the the Adani Group, which is a port to energy conglomerate. And this man has made the renewable space in general and solar in particular his playground in recent times. So much so, he's known for more for his solar, uh, you know, solar industry plays more than what he, you know, has other investments. But now, with the arrival of Ambani, that comfort zone that he so very enjoyed is under threat. However, unlike what we witnessed in the telecom sector, this is not going to be a walk in the park for India's richest man. It's Mr. Adani is no pushover. He's a completely different beast. And I'll give you an example of why this time it looks to be very different and looks to be a whole different challenge. Within weeks of Ambani's announcement uh, that he's about to enter the renewables energy space, Mr. Adani himself announced that, announced a $20 billion investment to be made over the course of next 10 years to generate renewable energy and component manufacturing. This is a man who has set ambitious targets and achieved them effortlessly. You want an example? Here it is. He set an initial target of 25 gigawatt renewables portfolio and achieved it four years ahead of schedule. <laughs> Easy as that. No, it's, it's no mean feat, by the way. And once he's achieved it, you know, one, now that he's achieved it four years of, ahead of schedule, he wants to now triple his group's solar power generation capacity over the next four years. And to achieve this goal, or rather, in in line with this goal, he completed India's largest acquisition in the renewable energy sector last week, when his group acquired the SB Energy India for whopping three and a half billion dollars. Look, Mr. Adani has, you know, it's it's clearly has clearly uh, identified the arrival of uh, Mr. Ambani, and he's definitely on, uh, you know, he's he's definitely proven. Uh, or rather, he's definitely signaled his intent that he's not going to be a pushover. He's even publicly declared that he wants to be the world's largest renewable energy player. Uh, period. That's it. He wants, he has already declared. And as he declared this, I don't think he was just sending a message to the world. He was particularly, in particular, he was sending a message at to India's richest man. Let's put it this way. It's India's richest versus India's second richest. The turf is the renewable space. Whoever comes out on top, one thing's for certain, guys, India wins, and more importantly, the environment wins. So at the end of the day, no matter which billionaire wins, the country and the environment both win. So, you know, for the public, let's take that as a win. So, what's the space for sure, though? What's the space? Because it's really, really getting real, you know, interesting. It's getting real interesting real fast. As far as who the doctor is backing in the stock market, it has got to be India's richest man. And my family is actually invested in Reliance Industries, as a bit of disclaimer. Why am I backing Mukesh Ambani? It's because he runs a company that is fundamentally strong, well-diversified, and the switch from oil to telecom and retail at the right time suggests that this is a business leader who is ahead of his competition and who knows how to be strategically driven. It's like Apple. You don't trade Reliance Industries. You own it although having said that these days it looks like apple's slowly losing its privilege of being associated with that adage reliance on the other hand isn't the doctors backing india's richest having you know w- w- although it's not going to be an easy win in the renewables energy turf for mr ambani with that it's time for the final segment doctor dissect welcome to the final uh, segment of this episode guys the doctor dissect segment and look, in this, in this segment, I thought I'll take a break from car shopping this week and actually go shopping for a pair of jeans. Well, this is not at least in the way that my wife wants me to. Okay, no, I'm not walking to an apparel store and buying a pair of jeans. Instead, I'm actually focusing on this jeans uh, manufacturer's fundamentals and, if I, and see if I should own its shares instead. I mean, I might buy its jeans as well, but focusing on shares for this week. So this week on Doctors Dissects, I'll be covering Levi Strauss, ticker symbol LEVI, on, uh, listed on New York Stock Exchange. So Levi's uh, recently announced its Q3 earnings, and the numbers were as rocking as their designs. Sales were up 41% year over year to approximately $1.5 billion dollars. But that's not what really caught my attention. What caught my attention is the net profits. Now, get this. Net profits grew a whopping 615% year over year to 193.3 million. It was in double digits year over year last year. The company also raised its full year earnings outlook with the adjusted EPS now expected to be in the range of $1.43 to $1.45, well ahead of the consensus estimate of $1.33. The markets did give it a double thumbs up as the stock jumped about 8.5 percent on Thursday, post earnings release. Now let's let's look at what now you know the, the key key idea of the segment is to look at what are the drivers behind this monster earnings growth, but more importantly, why am I bullish on the stock? For starters, its sales channels are omni. You know, its it, it sales channels operate on an omni-channel uh, 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 capabilities with with, a, with an omni-channel capability. And this omni-channel capability is looking pretty strong, with online sales growing as strong as its offline channel. Digital channels now account for 20% of the company's sales, a great feat in in an era where e-commerce is the king. And, uh, you know, last year, uh, I mean, if you you were to compare year over year, the digital sales are up 10%. And if you were to compare on a two-year basis, uh, that is pre-pandemic level, it's up 76% so and offline st- off- offline sales were anyway strong so now the company looks like it's it's complementing the online sales online you know complementing the offline sales with a very strong online sale capability going omnichannel is really really good in the in in in, in, a, in, a, in this particular industry second the company also benefited from something called diversified manufacturing and get this only less than 4% of its total manufacturing was accounted for by Vietnam, the country that has now become a headache for major US retailers as it battles a never-ending COVID outbreak. Now let's compare that to its competitors. Nike, if you were to take Nike, 51% of its shoes were manufactured in Vietnam last year. Let's take Lululemon. Over a third of its merchandise is manufactured in Vietnam and what what about uh, and let me repeat what about levi's less than 4% so it's got it works on a diversified manufacturing uh, uh, you know uh, model where it sources from multiple countries not just one not completely reliant on one and this is a great great business model to have in an era where lockdowns appear without you know any warning in multi, in, in in countries without any warning so what a channel what a, what a model to have so an efficient omni-channel capability, together with the power of diversification in manufacturing, it's it's definitely a lethal combination and seems to have be working for the company. And I don't see it not working for it in going forward in the future. So I think it's it, you know these two you've got you've got two solid things going right for the company, not just now, not just in the past, but also for the future. Now. Now that's from from the company's perspective, right? Omni-channel capability and uh, and and together with 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 its uh, diversified manufacturing process. Let's take a look at what is happening from a you know uh, from from a, from a more industry sector. The winds of fashion are shifting, and people are finally starting to adapt to jeans, even in more formal settings such as the office. In office settings, the more uh, uh, you know, jeans are becoming a, a common trend. And this is a trend that is acknowledged by that. The company acknowledged in its earnings call and one that the company expects to stay in the foreseeable future. Great. Works well for the company. Now, but more importantly, evidence, having read through a few multiple fashion show reviews, evidence from these, um, uh, you know, fashion shows all indicate towards the same common trend, which is the era of loose fit baggy jeans is back. Is back, guys. Apparently skinny jeans is dead. So era of loose fit baggy jeans is back, and guess what? Levi's is the leader in this segment, and so that doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt for the future at all. So I absolutely love this company. It's got it's got a great business model. It's it's got its manufacturing sorted out, and it's operating in an industry, uh, or it's operating in a you know it's 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 operating in an industry where a certain trend, where it's you know which is its strong point, is actually making a comeback. Wow, this is it's got great it, you know it's got it's it, it's a lot of lot of things are going great for the company let's talk valuation even by the most conservative measures that I applied to my proprietary financial model it yields a target of, of, you know even if we, even with the most uh, you know uh, conservative measures uh, that I've applied the target price comes out to be around35 dollars which represents or which suggests, an approximate 37% upside to Friday's closing price. Right now, the stock's trading about 25.55. Price target's about 35, is what the doctor's price target is about 35, which represents an approximate 37% upside. Now, are there risks? Of course there are. Of course there are, every company is a risk. And this company faces two risks primarily, two major ones. Obviously, the first one guys a no-brainer. The threat of another further shutdowns because of new variants. Every day, every day, I'm, I'm, I'm dreading. I'm dreading whether there's a new variant coming or not. Whether there's a new variant coming or not. There's always the threat of further shutdowns, and obviously, this industry is going to be you know gobsmacked if uh, if uh, if if another uh, variant approaches. But also, industry specific, there is a rising price. You know, prices are rising for one of its key raw materials, which is cotton. Now, here's again how the company has managed to shield from these risks. Obviously, the shutdown, you can't really predict it. But given the vaccinations are doing their job, they seem to be, you know, the threat of a shutdown is being minimized on a day-to-day basis. But from the cotton, like regarding the cotton prices perspective, look at what the company has done. The company has already locked in cotton prices, at least through the first half of 2022. So until then, forget about it. These risks are less likely to have a huge impact on the company, at least the cotton prices. Shutdowns, who knows? I hope not. But, you know, the company, even from a risks perspective, seems to have uh, uh, done a good job. Look, I really like Le- Levi Strauss, I really like it, both its genes and its stock. The fundamentals look really strong. The company has done a fantastic job in diversifying its manufacturing operations and strong omni-channel capabilities leaves it perfectly positioned to take full advantage of the arrival of the era of loose fit jeans. I cannot believe I'm giving a fashion... You know, uh, uh, review here, but it is what it is, isn't it? If I'm if I'm reviewing a fashion stock, uh, an apparel stock, obviously I got to learn about a bit, a thing or two about fashion. The era of loose fit jeans is back, guys, and Levi's is certainly being a leader, is ready to dominate it. Now, the valuation also suggests that there is considerable upside to the share price as well. So next time you're shopping for some jeans, why not buy Levi's and buy shares too while you're at it? I know I will be. The verdict the doctor prescribes that's all the time i have for you guys this week if you have a specific indian or us stock suggestion for the doctor to diagnose do tweet me at uttambina uthambinay or email me on the stock doctor podcast at gmail.com thank you for listening and see you next week until then stay safe and make some money